and welcome to the Junkyard Love Podcast. Hello, howdy ho, my neighbors. Welcome to the Junkyard Love Podcast. Today's recommendation, before we get her kicking off, is going to be a TED Talk. I think it's about 20 minutes long, and it is from Brene Brown, B-R-E-N-E, and it's called The Power of Vulnerability. It's quite wonderful. You should check her stuff out. Um, today, I've got a podcast with Andy Shardle for Black Diamond Recording Studios down in Portland. Um, we actually came out of quarantine and found a way to uh, not really be in in contact with each other. I sat on one side of uh, the live room and he sat in in the recording room and we kind of talked to each other through the windows there. There's actually a video of this particular podcast um, just from like a webcam behind him up on my YouTube channel, Junkyard Love. So go ahead and check that out. Um, Let's get going with the podcast. Take care of yourself, drink some water, check on your posture, breathe from your belly. You know what it is. Tracking, tracking, tracking. Hey, I was just thinking that the the song Mask Off by Future is going to just come full circle. It's going to be super popular again. Yeah, like, it, it will. It'll probably become the number one hit when all this blows over. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess the chorus is about Molly's and Percocets, but uh, Mask Off will be an appropriate term. We were talking about how it's like... We both have our own versions of masks right now. Where we're at with the COVID thing, yep. but it might be like a super normal thing for all of America to just be wearing masks in one month. It'll be the latest fashion accessory. Yeah. You'll be seeing, you know, the, I mean, there already are Bape and Off-White because of Asia, but you'll be seeing the Gucci and the Louis Vuitton and the, yes. all those brands making I have I have like the Masks. the Amazon knockoff version of something that looks like the Target version of Bape, so I'm a few levels down. But I luckily um, I'm much I'm as much of a streetwear f boy that it's, I have. But some it, masks. it's not it's not Bape spelled B A E P like you'd get. In, I thought it was Bape. Ba- well, no, like you, it is Bape. It's B A P E, not B A E P. Oh right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bape is actually it's bathing ape. Yeah, you know, a bathe a bathing ape. Yeah, what an interesting thing. That's like one of the more popular brands, and that's their name. I mean, good on them. I, I mean, and then they have Baby Milo, the the little mascot. Is that what it's called? The 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 kid store is is they have. Do we live in a video game? Is I, this? I I I don't I don't know. <laughs> we might we might live in a video game i think so i'm I'm all aboard it feels like a video game lately because so what are we doing right now we are at the recording studio yeah, we we're, are we're at black diamond recording studios in portland oregon yes we are doing a socially distant yet not podcast experience yes because it's more fun to be doing this in person than over shitty webcam and when you're mm-hmm. in a recording studio and you're using a poor webcam microphone that does not it doesn't equate look well. well at all to what we are and what we're capable of doing. 
Yeah, so this one has to be impressive. It has to be impressive. And if you're not impressed by the sound quality, you can be impressed by the content of what we're about to be talking about. Oh man, now there's a lot of pressure. So much. So we're just going to get ready to disappoint. Okay, here comes the disappointment. Uh, All right, that's it, folks. (laughs) See you later. Goodbye. Have a good night. Um, No, uh, so this this is cool that we're doing this. It's just like it's it's such a weird time. That's like what we've been talking about the last hour. Is just it's a confusing, weird time. It's hard to know what to do and how to do it, and like. When you email people right now, it seems different and weird. When you text people, it seems different and weird. Like conducting business is weird. Driving is weird. Everything is just super oh, weird. Yeah, so. everything is, it's changed. I had i had to take my dog to the vet and, and you drop, drop the animal off and it's curbside pickup for your vet appointment. That it's, seems brutal. Yeah, it's weird. You're, it's like the, the drive-in vet. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, go on, honey. You're fine. Yeah. It's like, here, here. Go, go make with, some friends. Go with, go with the stranger. I'm just going to hand you out the car window and yeah. see you in a bit. What what other shit do you think is going to be, what, what other shit is different? What other stuff have you experienced that's different so far? Um, hmm. Not being able to. I mean, not being able to like, just go out and go like shopping or browsing or like any, like helps mm. like i live in downtown so just walking around downtown like you can still go out and walk but it's desolate do you feel like you're breaking the law when you're out walking <laughs> no not not more than i normally do <laughs> breaking the law it, yeah i was we were at a we went to fred meyer like to go shopping and that didn't seem super weird like it is weird seeing the empty shelves but then just kind of out of habit, we got to where it starts like had, they have clothes and furniture. Yeah. And we're like, oh, and we're just like kind of walking down that way. And we're like, oh, wait, hold on. This feels weird. Let's turn around and just go home. Yeah. Thank it's you. like, it's like why we don't need to be going and going shopping at Ikea. Right. Like that, that we don't, we don't need a detolf. Well, although a lot of people are probably going shopping at Ikea to get some desks to assemble yeah. in, their, yeah. in their new home some, offices. Some, some stand-up desks and all that other Stuff, yes, since everyone's working from home. Working unless, from home, unless you're one of the lucky few who isn't. <laughs> who isn't? Well, so working in solitude and like introverted style of working is something that you know very well. Um, yeah, I know. I know pretty well myself. So, how has how has like work changed for you lately? And actually, we can probably. Uh, bring that right into kind of an introduction, maybe give a little bit of your background if you'd like to, so they know who they're talking to. Sure. <laughs> Seamless. 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 They won't even suspect it. They probably won't. No, not at all. We didn't just have a complete technical malfunction. And We've never had one in our life. Nope, not at all. Engineers That's, are perfect. Yep. Let's see. All right, so the video is recording, video part two. So now you'll uh, you'll be able to, you know, edit it all together and, cool. and all that stuff. Because you know we didn't have any technical difficulties, and I'm going to continually make sure that we don't have any more technical difficulties. <laughs> just have a little glance back once. Yeah, on. just a little glancey poo here or there. So back to uh, solitary confinement and living a life of loneliness and computers <laughs> in despair. In despair. <laughs> Cause that's what we were talking about. Um, 
So working in solitude is nice. Uh, actually, no. Uh, we've been we've been trying to stay relatively busy. Um, I have a lot of remote remote work and stuff that I have to have to do, which is nice with some of my clients. But aside from that, it's it's pretty much very like slow. It's yeah, weird. yeah, because all it's the, slow and it's just weird. It's just like, weird. It's just like we're, like we're waiting for whatever we're supposed to be doing next, but we still don't really know what that's going to be. So it's hard to prepare for it at the same time. Yup. Oh so, yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird because no one knows exactly what's going to be happening in a month from now. I mean, yeah, shows shows are canceled, bars are canceled, strip clubs are canceled. Canceled. Coachella, Everything's canceled. Co Coachella's postponed. Coachella's canceled. Crumbles on ground and cries. Yes. Actually, I did enjoy Coachella. I've been a couple times. It is fun, but I don't think that I'll go again. Uh, I don't. I don't know. After this whole thing. Yeah, it's just hey, that's that's the other thing is like are people. It's you're gonna go to a music festival and everyone's gonna have like a lot of space in between each other. It's gonna. Be I mean, that weird. sounds what, actually really what, nice. What, what what is a mosh pit? <laughs> we just bring back we'd have amp guard <laughs> you're allowed those the totems like you can't have totems but you can bring your amp guard weapons to let you get the moshing out <laughs> oh man that would be actually so cool like imagine if you're listening to your favorite artist but you also get to just beat the crap out of people you don't know with like foam, foam weapons, weapons. It's, just, it's, it's LARPing but replacing the moshing <laughs> um, so Working in quarantine, um, I don't think we got your background on this uh, take. So do you want to provide the listeners with a bit of your yes. background, my friend? Uh, my name is Andy. I'm a recording engineer and music producer and geek nerd <laughs> weirdo. Um, I work at Black Diamond Recording Studios in Portland, Oregon, I've been doing it for about seven years here, but doing audio stuff since I was like 10. And yeah, that pretty much sums up my life story. See ya. That's it. That's Thanks it. for listening. See you later. Now you know everything about me. Yep. Okay. Going back to when you were 10 years old, what, what first kind of like got you interested in all this so stuff? It'd probably have to be when I was messing around with my dad's old hi-fi and reel-to-reel tape machine and that kind of stuff, we would spend hours tracking vinyls to cassettes because that was the way to listen to music at the time. You didn't have Spotify? Oh, yeah, Spotify in the 90s, the early 90s. Yeah, the only green logo was was LimeWire. Was LimeWire even no. in the 90s? yeah. Uh, uh, it seems, it seems Y2K-ish. Uh, yeah, I think that was, LimeWire was like, I was in what, high school, middle school? So yeah, like early 2000s, right? So you were... Like, like 90, like I want to say LimeWire was probably like 99, 2000, 2001, that it, generation. Yeah, I feel like it was like right around that. Within those three years was definitely... Like the peak LimeWire. Yeah, I, I would bet... My the will of e my house on that and what what DC plus plus and right. net. What the, else were there? there those were so many. like like soul seek soul seek is still a thing. 
I where where are the that. rest of these I'm not, places? <laughs> I'm not promoting piracy. Um, we don't condone that on this radio program here. I've never, I've never pirated a thing in my life. Nope. Um, we're but not, we're not DJs. We've never downloaded a song off the the Napsters. I wanna, what do those, DJs of, even do who have never? Those, none of those MP3s that people talk about. We get everything on the classic CD from the local Walmart. Yeah, we buy. So that's what a DJ does. If you didn't know, listener, they go down to Walmart. And they get the edited version sometimes, sometimes not. And they burn it to their CD player and then onto their computer after the CD player. <laughs> and then, yep. and it's then a they, two-step process before yep. it hits the computer. You got to make sure it's clean. <laughs> Dude, clean nowadays though is so weird if you think about it. I'm like, I'm rubbing against that hardcore. It's, it's just an insane thing because for one of my gigs, you have to, uh, you have to do like ultra school clean. And so you can't dip into, like, yes, it's not explicit, it doesn't have cuss words, but it's just saying vulgar, crazy shit that you can't hear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it, When people ask me for a clean version of a song, I'm sitting there like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> there, there's, there's a lot of words that you say that are questionable and, like, themes, too. Not just words, it's, like, themes. It's, like, I mean, you technically didn't cuss, but, like... <laughs> but you said sucking on my, uh... Yeah. So... I don't know if you can... Talk about that. Is there anything <laughs> sucking on that's like school appropriate to say? I don't think so. Even sucking on a lollipop will be taken wrong. <laughs> it's a weird world. I, I wonder if they're going to like revamp cuss words at some point. They've got to. Like we're just ignoring the fact that cuss words have just evolved into cooler, crazy full sentences now. Yeah. And, and there's so <laughs> many like nuances behind like fuck. When you say fuck, there's just, it's a nuanced word. It's, mm -hmm. it's, 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 it should be okay to say. There's so many layers to it. I know. And it's it seems like depending on where you go, like people will give a shit about one thing and not give a shit about another. Like you go go to Australia and Europe and shit and they're like, Oh yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you want on TV. Think about cunt, the word cunt. Yeah. Like around like, here, it makes like a lot of people listening probably just got super uncomfortable. They're just like, what? And we're like, it's the British. The, we we're we're talking about the, the, oh, the British meaning. Yeah. Did you not hear my yeah. my British? Yeah. Did it not sound like the British version? Oh, I, I, I don't know. It just it's, it sounded like you might have said cheeky cunt, but maybe you meant the American one and it was like a weird, weird insult. But I don't, I don't know. Humans are so simple and complex in the same exact way because of situations like that. Like, can't we all just be like, oh, okay, they say it over there and it doesn't hurt anybody. Why don't we just... Let's why just why does it hurt people here? I mean, there's certain things that, yes, it's nuanced that you definitely yeah. don't want to talk about. But then there's other things where it's like, yeah, that's a cuss word that... What? <laughs> right, yeah, like who said that that's a bad word? Okay, I guess we got to follow those rules. Yeah, especially like with, with songs and art and that kind of thing. It's just kind of like, okay. I remember I had to DJ for a uh, event in Utah. And it had to be an entirely clean DJ set. Rough. Do you know how hard that fucking is? I do. I do that a lot, but yeah. it's tough. It's hard. And like, you're, you're even like going back to like oldies, some oldies, you're like, this is kind of questionable what they're talking about. <laughs> they're using like weird words, like old, like a uh, chubby wubbies and stuff. And you're like, is chubby wubbies bad? Can I? That or like subject matter. It's like, this is real creeper. Like talking about oh, having, right. having a girl like kissing you on the hand and all this other shit you're like the hell like fucking like uh wait how old is a girl in this song <laughs> yeah like like what what's his name fucking uh conway twitty that dude mm -hmm. dude all of his songs are just the like they don't age well at all like 
Yikes. Yeah, it's it's pretty gnarly. It's pretty gnarly. There's a lot of music that's not like really going to age well. Do you um do you remember can you think back to your first gig? Like audio anything? Was it DJ gig? Was that your first gig? Oh, uh like like paying gig or first gig? Cuz there's Ooh, We got to hear both because if you volunteered for your first one or okay, whatever so it was. first first one, first technical one was running the soundboard for my middle school at some sort of event that was like the, like I was probably what 11 ish was like the first, like this is a job you have to perform. Then it's not just fucking around with stuff. (laughs) And that was pretty, probably the first gig quote unquote that I had to do. My first paying one was I was DJing a friend's house party and he ended up paying me for it because the night went well. Mm-hmm. How old were you? Do you remember? I was under like 18? 15, okay. 16, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, I think I was 16. You remember what you played? Dude, it was 2004, five. So lots of like early French house stuff. Like yeah. Justice and Daft Punk and mm. like, yeah, like I think it was, yeah, that was around the time. I, I think, I think Justice, Justice had either just released We Are Your Friends or it was right before that whole blog house started coming up. Um, yeah, it was like Aphex Twin, Daft Punk, fucking like a bunch of house artists that I'm trying to remember, but they're like a lot of one-offs. They had a lot of vinyl and they were like from house labels that may or may not still exist. So did you bring your crates and everything? What was your setup? Oh yeah. I had like, I had my very first DJ setup that was like a proper DJ setup was two Denon DNS 1000s, which I still own. And then uh, the mixer, the tiny little mixer. And then is it a thousand or a hundred? I don't remember these tiny little CDJs that were just, they were, they did the job that they mm-hmm, didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't fancy at all. And then I had some Stanton turntables, good old Stanton belt driven turntables. And those are what I learned to beat match on, which were horrible to learn on. They were the worst to fucking learn how to beat match on. Don't, if you ever want to learn how to spin vinyl, don't use belt driven turntables, get direct drive. Techniques are similar. Because you will have a bad time. Yeah, I don't even know how to like, like I've been a DJ for so many years, but it's such a different time and such like a different corner of DJing. Like, because there's so many different facets of DJing. Oh yeah, like you have your your what your festival DJ, your your bedroom DJ, your club DJ. That's like the uh, the weekend warrior club DJ. You yes. you know that I life. know that very well. Yeah, but you know that life very not well. lately though. Yeah, same. I've been there, done that. Um, And then you have like the wedding DJ. You also know that very well. Uh, What else? The The the, the, turntablists. Yeah, the turntablists. And then you have like the the radio DJ, typical, more like an MC at that point. Right. Some are still technically disc jockeys. Uh, 
And then you have like the producer who then becomes a DJ who sucks DJing. Right. Yes. I was talking about that. I, yeah. uh, dude, Mr. Carmack, like I love that dude. He's such a, do you know who Mr. Carmack is? Yeah. Yeah. I've he's heard a couple things, man. He's, I really like his stuff. He's very original. When, like I really like him as a producer, but, uh, I don't know. I remember maybe it was just the experience that I had one or two experiences at festivals where he just like, like mixing between two songs sounded really bad for whatever reason. I'm like, man, your shit's so good. Just yeah. take a little extra time and learn to actually DJ it. But yeah, could have been the one-off festivals. There's, there's a there's a lot of that that I've seen. I mean, like a great counter to that is like Calvin Harris. He's right. a fucking awesome DJ and a really good producer. And then you have like people like Tiesto who at one point I think produced his music, maybe not as much anymore. I don't know. There's lots Is of Tiesto talk. a construct? I may possibly. <laughs> it's, it's, he's just like, uh, what is it? He's just like Slash. It's just a figment of the imagination. But. Right, he could be. I've, I've seen him a couple of times. Honestly, I think that every time I've seen Tiesto, it's been a quite enjoyable set. But yeah. I think that I was in the situation where really I'm good, just... Like, he's, he's a decent DJ. Right. I just... His, productions have been varied over the years right he's like a whole brand yeah, like a he, whole well he was he was the highest paid dj in the world for many moons right until, see that's until a certain point that's so weird to think about because highest paid dj like that word is just used for yeah. 70 million things yeah like i know uh, but kind of I producers. Think it was, yeah i think it was like he was the highest paid disc jockey who's like the touring kind of almost festival like because mm -hmm. i mean like he always has those giant ass shows in amsterdam and right europe and like all the big ass techno shows and stuff like that and it's various. a damn good time oh yeah i fucking i really wanted to go to one of those but hey <laughs> who knows when that'll be yeah it might be another six months again. before we're allowed uh 50 people at a time in one place <laughs> glorious so we'll see about that okay so from your first show what what was your dj life unfolding like after like the next couple years after uh, this when you were 20s or so area what well, what, what did life lead I you moved to? to japan moved to japan helped a lot because you know they don't card um so i was like 18 years 17 18 no i was 18 yeah i was 18 years old uh working at a couple bars and nightclubs and djing like regularly and it was like it was a college town so they had nice active nightlife and active thing and because i was like one of the foreigner djs i was playing the music that you know wasn't the most like popular yet i should say mm -hmm. because it seemed like everything in pop culture in the west was still a little bit of a delay like even though we had the internet and all that other stuff it still mm -hmm. was like to to reach the masses to where it's like oh everyone knows this song now it'd still be like two, three months maybe. Right. Like, and so like my friend would send me a song and it's like, he's like, this is the banger that's fucking happening here. Like, what was it? It was the one that came out that I knew was like going to be fucking massive there. It was out in the state, uh, Rihanna Umbrella. Oh, right. They, dro they dropped that and like, I think the single came out in the States and I heard it and I was like, oh yeah, that's going to, that's going to be fucking everywhere. Mm. And sure enough, fucking two months later, that was like the fucking hit. That's the song everyone was requesting and all that other stuff. Under my umbrella. Yep. Eh, 
Yeah, <laughs> and so like it was like that was that was a thing is like I would be playing that kind of stuff compared to the the home the hometown right. DJs who were and and the other thing was is I would play a varied set and my parties were always varied. That was the one big difference compared to like here and and, and over there was the a lot of the clubs were very specific genre oriented or like themed or it was or or they were the nights they would have specific nights for like this. theme nights yeah yeah theme nights but that was the norm it wasn't and they weren't like theme nights per se it would just be like that's the DJ so unlike here where you have like eighties night and like that kind of thing where people dress up and do all that it'd be like no it's just like this is the techno party group this is the house party group this right. is the nineties hip hop aficionado group this is the like crazy reggaeton like big speaker toting guy group which those were actually the most fun parties because they would like we already have a giant sound system they would cart in the sound system like twice the size no of our tiny club and it would just be a wall of just bass Woo -woo. like yeah oh it was awesome we got so many complaints because <laughs> we weren't the only business in that building and they would feel it those nights like their glasses and stuff would be shaking it would be pretty awesome um but yeah, like that, and I started just DJing a bunch of different like random part like parties at, at bars, and like it was a lot of really small like dive bars and stuff. Like just that was what I was playing at first. Are the dive bars like way different over there oh, in yeah. Japan than here? Oh yeah, I mean a dive bar here. Like what's what do you when you picture dive bar in Portland or dive bar in general? Dive bar to me seems more of like kind of like an older person's place, like bikers sort of thing, uh, like. I don't know, just like maybe playing like country sort of music, I think that I would picture in my head. Okay, see, so for me, a dive bar is like a tiny bar, like where it's like narrow, not a lot of space, probably right. in like city block type stuff. So like like the tube or like one of those type of places in Portland, like would be to me is like a dive bar. Okay. Um, and I'd be playing a lot of places like that, but the dive bars would be uh, really small. And I'm talking like some, one place I played at most, including myself and the bartender, could fit like six people in a row. It was like a, it was like a closet. So bar. VIP. <laughs> yeah, and 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 he just wanted me to play some house tracks. Like that's it. I was like, but, okay, cool. And dude, then I what played, a fun gig. And then I had a I had another one where this dude was like, he was taught. He got me and one of my Japanese friends, one of my Korean buddies who was also there in college with me, um, who are all DJs. They were. He was like, he booked all of us to play this night. He's like, it's gonna be a great, huge party. Blah 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 no one showed up no one showed up and i didn't do any promoting for it because i was like okay whatever if you're like if you you're pay doing, me to be yeah, the dj i'll show up the DVD, DJ, i'll show up and he uh he had no one show up like i was sitting there playing to him the bartender who looked pissed off and i think the dude's girlfriend and so i was like okay cool well I'm not getting paid, but I'm just going to be playing, practicing for an hour in front of an empty room. And right. so like, it'd be like, there was a lot, like, a surprising amount of gigs like that. But then I'd also have events where if I threw one of my parties, I'd have 500, 600 people in through the night. And mm -hmm. like, then when I moved back to the States, I, I, I was like, yeah, I, I got in, like met up with a couple people who were throwing house parties. And I was like, cool, I want to DJ. I have a PA system and all this other stuff already. Like, yeah, I am equipped. Like, ready? Cool. Let's do this. Mobile parties. Let's go. And that's kind of what happened. Was I would go down to Eugene and 
I did one really cool block party in Corvallis. Um, but I would go down to Eugene and uh, up to Portland when I moved back from Japan um, and DJ college parties and stuff like that. Right. Um, was it playing a lot different music like when you came back over from Japan? Like were you I able to play, play more techno and stuff over there? Surprisingly, no. When no? I came back, got back here, I started to play more of what I wanted to play rather than playing to a crowd, playing for a crowd. Because when I was playing at the clubs there, I needed to keep people in the building. Mm. And that's a big difference. Right. If I'm playing a house party, I don't care. Yeah. You're, you're there like <laughs> to play whatever you want. Yeah, and my, like, my paycheck does not depend on keeping y'all in the building. Yeah, for real. That kind of thing. And so that's, and so I would just, I started just playing whatever I wanted and doing my own thing. And then that's when I, I had my old music partner, Charlie, we started Team Bonsai and we were doing like our own remixes and stuff, which those got surprisingly popular. Um, and then, Long story short, he went off and did his own thing, and I continued on doing Team Bonsai with a couple of my other buddies. But it's just a small thing now. Yeah, not a main, not a main gig. Like, and same with DJing and production. Like in that realm, where it's like trying to go out and be that DJ producer combo, where right, right, I'm making making all the music, then playing the live shows and doing that the, the touring thing is like. I like that idea, but it's also kind of like everyone and their mother's trying to do that now. Right, yeah. The, the festival DJ got the rock star treatment. Yep. And so you get the guys like Steve Aoki and mm -hmm. uh, DJ Snake and like Dude, I just uh, it's a it's a circus kind of like it's a like everybody's like, Oh dude, I can get that number one festival slot or like everybody's like trying to go for this there's, weird. There's also like, well, it, not now, but uh, it, the uh, there's so many festivals that just mm. pop up. Fire festival. But yeah, like like all of that whole that dude. Whole like shit, anybody yeah. can make a festival. That's a perfect yeah. example. Like yeah, it'd be like like the other other year, I was looking at at stuff to just see what was happening around Oregon in the summer, and there was like the the the, the what the Eugene. What the country festival? The what is it? The big country fair down there? Country fair? Oh yeah, the Oregon country, the Oregon is it city Oregon? fair or the? No, I, forget, I think it's the Oregon country. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but that one, uh, and then there there was like four other like small raves that happened out in like the hood area and the coast and like other music. And then there was that one that caused a whole bunch of traffic over in the hood area that couple years ago the one, like the illegal one yeah i i definitely went to that well oh wait i i was either friends with the ones who who did that one because there was a lot of those going on around here like gig sessions and stuff yeah yeah i remember there being a one big like illegal one that was kind of out toward eastern oregon yeah and so there was it's it's just to me it's like if if you're gonna do the festival it's like coachella makes sense mm -hmm. the, where you have big artists big ass space multiple days like money is dumped into that lots yeah but if you have like the touring festivals or like other stuff like that it's kind of like, eh. like don't get me wrong ultra looks awesome right but there's like what eight ultras 
Yeah, I know. You always want to go to like the center one. I feel like you go to like the big one, but I I don't know. I think an immersive festival is so much different than, um, so like What the Fest um, in Dufour, Oregon, that was way different than EDC or Coachella. I don't know. There's there's a lot of different kind of festivals. Yeah. I mean, then you always have Burning Man, the classic. Have you done Burning Man? No, I am not a burner. Not not a burner. I uh, are you? I, no, I've never done it. I think that like a couple of years ago I would have done it, but now I have this like um, everybody else does it, so I don't want to do it. I'm like next level, trying to stay above the hipsters. I think I just so. don't want sand in my urethra. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh my god, dude! It, it seems kind of miserable in that aspect. <laughs> yeah. Like I just, I just, it feels like it's like cool. You want sand in every orifice of your body and all mm-hmm. on all of your shit. And it'll blow around. Yeah. Like I had, I had to repair a buddy of mine's speaker that he brought down to Burning Man and like he opened, opened it up and it was just filled with dust. And shit. Falls out. Like, I'm like, oh, like a yeah. Jumanji movie. Pretty much. Yeah. You're just like, what? How, how did it get in here? <laughs> this is a sealed box. So um, going back to Team Bonsai, that's what you do producing wise now. It's kind of, I was like pointing out because I think for non-creators, they don't really think about it, but it's almost like alter egos you walk around with. Like I, like I have interviews on of like people in bands, people who are producers, people who have like companies, people who um, are rappers, but they're like, they're like, oh, I'm coming to you as this name. Like I'm Andy, but also unless I'm in this situation, I'm, I'm also team Bonsai. Yeah. Like going into different situations, you kind of have to plan it out as well. Um, so talk- I think, I think before when I first started doing team Bonsai, I treated it that way. Yeah. And it got really annoying and I felt like I was a bit pompous where it's like, well, I'm the artist, blah, 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 blah. Right. And after working in recording studio and stuff and dealing with many different walks of life, it's, it's also kind of like I've, I've, I've kind of taken it back where it's like, yeah, I do, I do produce and I kind of keep it now on the back, like on the down low where it's not like, that's my main thing. That is what I, that's my identity. Cause there's a lot right. of producers who do that, who I've talked to. It's like, I'm a producer, but this is what I do, blah, blah, blah. Like so they're all about it. And I, I'm good on you. It's awesome. But I also am kind of like, cool. There's a whole bunch of other shit that goes on that makes a person like, right, right, yeah. And and if you take that and put it into your productions, then it's like awesome. So a lot of my buddies who are also producers, like, it seems like they do it as a hobby, but their like hobby also happens to make them money when they do do it, rather right. than like trying to go for it as their only thing and not succeeding or like putting all their eggs in one basket right. as being a producer, because. The reality of it is not everyone's going to be able to make money doing it. Right. And if you are, fuck yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. If you can, you can do like what you're doing and feed into it. It all feeds into everything you're doing. You can utilize the skill set that comes with producing for other stuff. Mm -hmm. It works really well. Like I use my production skill set when I have to, when doing recording, like, oh, hey, maybe try playing it differently or doing it this way. And maybe this is a bit more musical because maybe, which happens a lot, people aren't fully prepared when coming into the studio. So they're trying out a couple mm-hmm. different ideas, that kind of thing. A few type beats. Yep. That kind, of, <laughs> that kind of thing where you've got the lyrics written, but you've you've gotten them written to five or six different beats. So mm-hmm. we're going to sing five or six different versions of the song and see which one sounds the best. Hey, sometimes that's the best way to get an idea out. Like sometimes it's just having other people hear it 
is they're like, oh, dude, number four was like by far the best. Exactly, you know? exactly. And that's and that's one thing that I have to stress to people who do come into the studio because it's not all like you come in and you get an awesome thing right off the bat. Like, yeah, you can come to a big studio, but if you're not putting down awesome stuff to begin with or cool stuff to begin with, you're going to get not cool stuff coming out of it. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's, that's what happens. And so you can only do so much studio magic. And when people come in and they're like, they don't have the, the option at home to play back or they're not tech savvy enough to like record on their phone over the beat with their voice mm-hmm. and have that kind of instant feedback so they can hear, oh, I actually need to be more on time or, oh, I need to do this or, oh, this does not sound good. Like, cause it sounded way different in my head. Right. That's usually the case is it's what you hear in your head and what comes out of your mouth are totally different. <laughs> Always. Yeah. I feel like our life is just trying to communicate what's in our head to out here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then my, and part of my job is trying to get what people, what's in people's heads out into a f- form that they can hear back. Um, yeah. When they're using just like, ha- they're like, make it go boom. Yeah. You're like, yeah. what? Yeah. Make it, make it what? Make, make, okay. <laughs> Or if they or if they know a little bit and they don't know the correct terminology, so they're trying to explain something, and it's like an an explanation that I have no idea. And it turns out it's like, oh, you want a delay? <laughs> cool. That was right. five minute explanation to explain an echoey type sound that you heard before. <laughs> right, like that, that kind of thing. Yeah, that that's the communication. This stuff is so like it's such a language of its own. It's just like, you know, a mathematician is going to know a lot of like words around linear algebra and, you know, physics stuff. Exactly. They're going to be able to explain it in that way. Yeah. And so utilizing the production side with the recording engineer side, like really does help. And I suggest anyone who is a producer or producing to also look into the actual recording engineer side Mm -hmm. because you'll be able to make better sounding stuff. That's the one thing I see with a lot of younger producers who are really talented. Like they they can come up with really fucking cool ideas and concepts and sound design and that kind of stuff. But when you hear their mix, it's like, this sounds like shit. Yeah. Like, whoa, like, okay, cool. I like how it's all written. Like, but sonically, it sounds like just bad. Like it sounds, I don't want to say amateur. It just sounds, you know, thin no bass right no like you can tell that it's just they don't know how to mix and how to listen and what to listen for right and but they know how to like create a song because that's an entirely different realm yeah writing and composing a song and actually making it sound good two entirely separate things yeah that's what people kind of need to realize with when you do do a big studio type stuff or when you do produce something is that you have to really like spend the time doing all the the pre stuff before you even come into the studio because all the studio does is make whatever ideas you have into like a playback able form. Right. And then you can use it and then you can work with it and make it sound good and mix it. Yeah. And mix it and do all that. But you have to have the content first. And, and that's, that's one thing that it seems has escaped a lot of people Mm. nowadays because of the instantaneous instant gratification. Instant right. like, oh, I see my favorite artist doing this, or oh, I just need to download a beat and I can hop into the booth and, and just go. And it's like, maybe you can. I have seen people do it and it's impressive as fuck. Right. But not everyone is like that. 
Yeah, you definitely, it's definitely a difference when you get somebody who uh, rolls in like prepared. It's definitely a different vibe. Like I've, like, like you've had a homie in here when we've been in here and it's just like, all right, I'm ready. I got these songs. I got this memorized. I'm ready. You ready? Like you can just get so much more work done yeah, when you're and, prepared. And, and, and you know what you need to get done. Yeah. And you know what you like are, your end goal is. It's not right. like a question mark, like, oh, what will we get done today? It's like, no, we're getting this and this and this done today. Right. And I already know what I have to say. And, and if you do need to change something up, it's usually very minimal. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's, that's one thing is that you see a lot of that nowadays compared to when I started working with certain artists, they would be a lot more like ready to go. And right. I think the big difference in that is it's the, the how you people perceive the end result and what like right. how they perceive the end result and, and they don't have the concept of what actually went in to get that end result. Just like right. I'm I, trying to think of a good example, like the infomercial type thing where you see the you see the end result before like you see the whole process to get the end result. They're like, We've already done this before and here it is. Right. And, yeah, I mean I kinda get it with, with DJing when someone's like, I'm in the middle of, you know, something at whatever BPM and I'm in this corner of my mix in this key and I'm trying to get to this vibe within thirty minutes. And then someone's like, You play this song right now? Like, cause they, they just see like the end outcome. Like all you do is play music. Yeah, like someone, like, you can't I, come to the studio and be like, you just, you put my voice over it and make it sound 6 good. It's 6 PM. The bar just opened. Play the bangers. <laughs> play the bangers. Yeah. Yeah. People's um, expectations are sometimes fooled. Uh, we have such a, like there's the bedroom producers is, is such like a cool, interesting world now. You know, it's, it really is an exciting thing. Like so many cool things at people's fingertips. Like you grew up. Um, mess with all like this videotape stuff and like converting this machine to this thing with this sound. And nowadays you could just do that with a click of a, a button. Yeah, VSTs now it's, and it's, plugins. It's and, now just all digital. It's all super yeah. easy. You also have YouTube with all the fucking info and a whole bunch of misinfo and mm -hmm. weird producers who are like, if you do it this way, it's going to sound like this. And it's like, cool, that's one of five billion different ways to do it. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, that's one of the bigger differences now is that it's, it's, you have that kind of like instant knowledge, instant access to things that you didn't before. So that now people are like, oh, if I want to do this, I'll go on YouTube and look up how to do it. And that's how you do it. And it's right. like, well, yeah. it's, it's again, nuanced. You have, right. you have different methods and different things that when you do branch out and actually start working in this field, if you want to, it's, you, you see a lot of things that cross over AKA like mm. from production and DJing and like, okay, DJing, you have, you have to deal with rhythms, tempos and getting body moving and stuff like that. And with that, you, you get like a good ear for hearing things off time, especially right. if you're used to beat matching by without hitting a sync button, you can feel it almost instantly when something is off time. Right. Um, and then you have like, the uh, technical side. So I do a lot of IT work and stuff and that's, you have to be able to set up a computer and be able to use it. That's a skill set that most everyone should have in general nowadays, but it's, it's stuff like that is it's a culminate, unlike a lot of other jobs where it's like, okay, you do this, you do that. Mm -hmm. It's, you have to have a breadth of skill sets and then shove it all into one and use little bits and pieces when you need to. And there's, that's like most jobs, but with, at least with this job, I have to take in facets, 
from a whole bunch of different subgenres. Yes. So it's like taking from different cultures, pretty much. Dude, yeah. If you if you have to do a jazz album, all right. Well, they're not gonna want their kick drum fucking slamming right in their face. Like, of course. No, no, no jazz. Like maybe yeah. maybe some acid jazz if you're getting experimental, but like. <laughs> yeah. In the general, there are standards, and so you have to like kind of go in with that culture of a yeah. thing, and that's what you gotta like take a different facet yeah, of your it, life, it, take a, take a different experience, and be like, all right, well, this is a country song, okay? Country music is like very vocal and guitar heavy, very tight, very like well performed. If you listen to country, very rare in modern modern pop country, you hear bad players, right, right, at all. Like very rare. And so when doing country, it's like you can't be as loose as you would like say doing a grunge punk album. And you have to also remember that like, okay, they're, who's going to be listening to it? Who is the, who's the end result? Like mm, yeah. there's so many different like facets that go into each individual genre that you have to kind of remember and apply to whatever you're working on. Right. And with the DJing, listening to so much fucking different music that helps a ton. Like you had to listen to a bunch for your wedding because you you wouldn't be playing the right. same shit at a wedding that you would be at Saturday night at a bar. Yeah, or at a rave. Or at a rave or yeah, like, a round house party. Like That's the thing is uh, you really got to like, that. that's like I think the, the fun part about when people are like, oh, I want to be a DJ or I want to be a producer. Like they kind of forget that like enveloping your whole life into it is like the, the fun part. Like watching little YouTube videos about this producer, how the way he does this thing does correlate to the wedding you're about to DJ next Saturday. Like it all teaches you little different things and you exactly. got to learn kind of different, like being able to, to like read people and read situations too, and kind of like be able to show up as different versions of yourself. Like I'm not going to be the same guy playing techno on a Saturday night as I am at a wedding. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. It's yeah. the same. Like if, if I'm going to act a little bit differently with my crazy blunt smoking clients than I will with mm -hmm. my super religious clients, like that's just, you know, yeah. that's just common kind of common sense in, in a way, but it also is a necessity in certain genres and how you vibe and get the end result. Right. Because if you're in a room with a bunch of people getting high and laying back and chilling right. out and you're the sober stickler, like either <laughs> caffeinated guy, that's your mix is probably not going to reflect the vibe of, right. of, the, of the thing and vice versa. Maybe like that's actually huge. If you think maybe about you're it. like a huge stoner yeah. like I am. Yeah. And you're going to be doing a session like I have coming up in a bit, which is probably going to be some like very like classical strings type stuff. Hmm. I don't want to be blasted out of my mind like I would for a, a heavy hip hop or trap session. Right, exactly. I want to be like, it's classical music. Like the mm -hmm. people who are listening to this are not going, well, maybe they, they're probably not <laughs> going to be on a bunch of drugs. Like that's, that's, right. that's the thing. You got to put yourself in like the listening yeah, position. You got to like, you have to, I have to change my hat. It's like, yeah, all right, yeah. I'm going to going now to listener mode. If I was going to just be listening to this in my car, what would I hear? What would I not like? Okay. Back to the engineer. All right. You got to play this better. Move your, to the mic. Now right. I'm mixing it. Okay, cool. Now I have to like, is, does it sound correct? Is, does this <laughs> mix with this? Does it actually like feel right when all the instruments come in and like, Again, these are super abridged things. It's much more involved than that. But right. it's that's kind of the the 
the mentality behind it. Yeah. And and having to be able to hop between all those hats is like that takes practice and not a lot of folk have the a option and ability to do that and be like the patience to do that. Right. Because it's time consuming and you deal with a lot of really interesting people along the way. And that's what's, again, like how you said, you have to like, like that part of the job. Like you have to be cool with that. You can't be like, Oh, I have to, had to work with this. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, no, you gotta be like, well, I just happen to work with this type of person or yep. this type of person or this type of person. And because it's a much more intimate one-on-one -on -one type of thing, almost like a tattoo artist, not like a doctor, but almost like a tattoo artist type of relationship. Right. It's it's a bit more intimate than just like going to somewhere and having like your mechanic fix your car or having like this dude build this for you. Yeah, it's not like or you like, you do exactly yeah. this. Yeah, like, I like, you exactly. I'm, yeah, yeah. like oh, you repair computers. Right. Here's my laptop, fix it. Here's money, thank yeah. you. It's like, no, I have to be sitting there working yeah. back and forth with the person because ultimately- it's their thing in the end. It's not mine at all. It's not right. like I have a skill set that I build it for them and then end of story, I fix it for them in the story. I do fix things, but it's a different type of fixing. It's like taking their ideas and almost fixing someone's ideas and fixing right. someone's concepts, which you don't do a lot in other fields where you take an idea and be like, all right, Let's fuck with it. Yeah. Like, you're, you're the designer of the, like you listen to the words that I say in this, you use your hands to create what's in another person's head. Exactly. Sometimes like you've taken Ex oh. the time to build the skills. Exactly. And you have to, and a lot of times it's interpreting really vague descriptions. <laughs> right. Really, really, really that vague. They, they don't realize it's vague at all until you look at them and you're like. Yeah. Until what? you have. Where do you expect to go with that? The deer in headlights look like. Okay, let's <laughs> let's see if this is what you want. And most they of the time, work. you could just work through it, and they're like, "Dude, yeah. that's it!" Right? Exactly, exactly. And and so the, and that's part of the fun of the job is like, well, I have no idea what this person wants. Time to start experimenting, and that's what's that's kind of exciting when you're like, mm -hmm. "Well, I have free reign to just kind of do whatever I want with this song right. and see how it goes." And that's and that's what's fun about it right. is you have that kind of unknown like okay cool i have play-doh to just play with right um but it's a song and it's not mine and that's the other thing is that's a little different is because it's not your song a lot of times you're not like emotionally invested mm. so you make decisions that are way more broad and way more maybe not as calculated per se for sure but in general it becomes like that's at least i do that's the vibe it's like, oh, well, let's try this and see how this sounds. And if it doesn't work, cool, we'll try something else. Yeah. But you have to like, it's kind of like one of those, you and that's you build up a sound or a vibe for the person with the person. And that's, it's, it's kind of a time-consuming process because some people, it comes really quickly with others. Other times you're pulling teeth and it may never happen. Right. And- Sometimes that's the case and, and it, it happens, but it's definitely part yeah, of the learning curve, the learning curve when you're like, Oh, I actually legitimately am not the right fit for this person's work. Like right. I've had that, I have had that happen where it's like, I'm sorry, I am not the right person to be the one working on this because yeah, you got to be able I to do that too. Yeah, I don't know anything about this genre or right. I don't like this genre at all. And I'm going to charge you way more money 
because I'm just right. having to deal with you. And that happens. Like, remember how you act around your engineers will get you <laughs> perks and far. Because if you're kind of a dick, we yeah. might, you know, charge you the dick fee. <laughs> the dick fee. Yeah. And, and, and cause we don't like getting dicked around. Yeah. Dude, it's a different world. It's not, it's, it's not all cut and dry. It's music. It's yeah, art. It's, it's, it's art. And it's, that's, that's the thing that some people forget is it's not like mm -hmm. a, uh, a doctor, yeah, a doctor. Relationship. I like uh, what you said about tattoo artist. It's yeah. kind of like that relationship. I feel yeah. like that's relatable for a lot of people. Yeah, and and it's it's very similar because you're you're going to your one guy who's really fucking good because he knows how to do the art well. He knows how to to get your ideas down, and like that's exactly what an audio engineer is in terms of the studio audio engineer and producer is. Their job is to take the ideas that are in your head and make sure that they're mm -hmm. recorded and put down. They're actually good and right. worth your time rather than like you know a poor recording of an awesome song which don't get me wrong if the song is really that awesome a poor recording sometimes gives it extra vibe but this day and age it's that's like, a weird thing too yeah it's, it's just real like, though yeah it's just this day and age it's there's no excuse you have such good options to get a decent quality recording even right. just for a demo at your house that like you it's there's no excuse for when I hear a mix that someone's done and it literally sounds like a fucking MP3 from 2001 downloaded off of LimeWire that has been already re-encoded three times. 16 times. Dude, one time I got, uh, I had to play the instrumentals for the Outlaws, who their claim to fame was, um, uh, uh, they're like Tupac's cousins or something. But it was just like the worst quality sound files. They were like the thinnest waveforms I've ever seen. And I was like, how many times did you rip your own stuff off YouTube? Um, and I only pointed out cause they were totally fucking rude to me. So I'm just, I don't know. Um, but heard about it, I guess still. So I do want to talk about, um, team Bonsai's creative process. Oh, like, so, um, <laughs> cause you've been doing like more modular stuff too. And Get really, really stoked. <laughs> Step one. Turn off all the lights. Step two. Get more stoned. <laughs> Dude, I, I was listening to ADHD on the way here. Like the the first song is just so, super good, man. I just imagined yeah, it being that one, the that, first song of that, like an opening set. That one was intended for that specific purpose, and then it just kind of evolved in, into something else. But no, that one, that one was. Uh, what did I do? Again, I got really stoned. Because uh, a lot of a lot of those are evolved like they start in one direction and by the end by what i release it's either an entirely different song or if it's one of the lucky ones it's done in a day like it that's how my productions go it's either whole thing is just bleh, done like all the ideas are just out i just blew my load all over the ableton and it's just a mess it's pasted it's pasted and it's just it's just white goo everywhere and then other times it's just it's just dust going out and little bits at a time. <laughs> dust plumes. Yep, just and 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 they just barely coat like an airbrush. But do you save those um, ones and, still? Yeah, and those are the but those ones are like like that first song was one of the dusts. It oh. like the first the first bit, the first half of the, the very instrumental kind mm -hmm. of wide so. opening synthy stuff. That one was all in a day, and then everything else was just incremental. It was like because it was like I heard the I heard the rest of it kind of build up in my head, but it wasn't mm -hmm. one of those like oh I got everything out like oh cool right. done. Other songs like uh, social media, that one on there, that one was the whole beat and everything was done in a day, and then vocals were done later. 
Like it's in my process, a lot of times is making the sounds first. Like I will spend three, four hours just making sounds and usually one sound or one bass line or something like that will then spark the entire song. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, and so that's how my process has been lately is all, I like you said, the modular stuff. I have a pretty decent sized modular system, Eurorack modular synthesizer system, the kind you see like Dead Mouse and those guys. Like all. actual knobs. Yeah, actual knobs and ca real cables that I have to plug in to get things places. And like, and so I'll use that to kind of make general rhythms and other stuff like that, like just background noise a lot of times mm -hmm. now because I'll let that play and, and come up with kind of a pattern or rhythmic kind of thing. So I'm not just playing off of a drum beat because I used to literally just dum, 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 and then record whatever I ideas would come up hmm. with over a four on the floor kick and it would get boring and repetitive. <laughs> hey, it's a good way to get something down, but it is a good after way, a while. But, but after, you know, five years of doing it that way, right. it was like time to change things up. Yeah. Um, because a lot of my stuff would start off like I'd have a bass sound, but like a, a, a not bass isn't like bass guitar or bass synth, but like a bass level sound. And then I would add the drums on top and half the time it would just be a four on the floor loop to build off. You get sucked it. right back into it. I get sucked right back into it, which that's what happens to a lot of producers. Um, but lately now I've been, I, I try to like compose all the instrumental parts or the general instrumental parts first, and then I will do the drums because drums have now become way too easy. And it like in terms of like quickly throwing them out and getting ideas and like rhythmic patterns that mm. are basic. And then when I do like the weird rhythmic stuff, that takes time, like weird cl glitchy clicks that are totally off tempo, that they're off tempo yet on tempo, that kind of stuff. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, those take time, but like general, just throwing out an arrangement of drums for a three minute song now is pretty like, after many years of practice, it's like, all right, cool. Like I can get a general kind of rhythm going and then adjust accordingly. So a lot of times now I'm just building the song off of musical ideas or sound ideas and kind of like vibes of like, oh, okay. Like having this kind of like textural ambient kind of thing. And then it builds yeah. into this, or it's like just right off the bat, we're going drums, bass, everything right, right from the start. Um, like I just did a, a full track, which I'll show you after. Hell Yeah after we're done with this podcasting. Um, but none of you listening, you get to wait. <laughs> um, that's all done with a Ableton's analog. Everything everything but the master chain, drums, synths, pads, weird vocal sounding shit, all of it's done with Ableton's analog. And that was just to challenge myself to try something different and make every single sound using one one type of synthesizer, nice. a very basic one, and then built-in plugins to actually make it sound good and not sound like fucking karaoke shit from a Casio. Right. Um, Dude, giving yourself walls like that is actually a really good idea. Like, yeah, let's just only use what I have here. That's what I was going to yeah. go into, which was like giving yourself, like there's, there is a thing, there's a little bit of zen of having those limitations. And that's what I kind of like about hardware is that while I fucking love Serum, if you don't know, Serum is one of the best synthesizers for PC, Mac, whatever. I don't think it's on Linux, but PC and Mac. Um, and it is super powerful. You can do so much shit with it. You can modulate and do tons of stuff. It's 
insanely powerful and sounds great. Well, with hardware, you can't do that unless you have a lot of fucking money. Right. Like you can't just magically patch the same thing to another thing with a cable. Like you need a splitter and then more cables and this. And it's like, oh, cool. Just to do what in Serum is a drag and drop motion costs you $250. <laughs> Not even kidding. It can cost that much just for a simple utility. Now, it doesn't make sound. It doesn't do anything. But when you have a hardware synthesizer that's built so that you have everything kind of like routed for you, like the uh, Korg MS-20 or the, the Mini Moog Model D or some of those classic analog monosynths, those limitations lead you to be a bit more like to be musically creative. Right. You got to work with what you, you got. You got to work with what you got. And you then, and you kind of kind of stick with it. It's like, oh, well, I kind of wish that I could make this, this sound go a bit more like sharp in the cut down. So like the only way it, the technical term would be a very quick envelope on like a filter. And so it's just like, just shuts down. Mm. Well, you only have one envelope on, on most synthesizers and sometimes two one for volume and one for the filter but a lot of times it's just one for both volume and then maybe the filter so whatever your volume settings at your filter settings also at and you're stuck with it there is no other way to change it so that is your sound like you can't sound design it and get it like really precise it's that is your sound. Yeah, and you're working and, with that. Yeah, that's what you're working with. And then when you go back and listen to old music, that's how they worked. That's how keyboardists and bands worked. If you bought a keyboard, you bought it because it was chock full of fucking sounds you didn't have <laughs> to actually design yourself. You just sat and played and based your stuff off that. Kind of like buying vinyl crates. Exactly. And and you would, you, it's like the, yeah, the Dillaway, you'd base your fucking whole beat off of one tiny little fragment of a sample you, you found while crate digging. Bless Jay Dilla. Oh, yeah. The uh, the 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 way that hardware you interact with hardware without having a screen and you're limited to those options does give you the kind of the freedom to like, hey, I'm gonna actually make some music or make some weird noises or something like that, rather than spending your time clicking and focusing on the actual act of doing the sound design, because that is a shit ton of fun in itself, but you don't really have anything musical after you have a cool sound. Right. Yeah. It's hard to like keep going. Yeah. Like to actually get to like where you're actually jamming and doing something. And so that's, that's a, that's a thing where I've tried really hard to not get caught in those loops while I produce where I will, I'll, I'll maybe either make a designated day where, Hey, today I'm just doing random sound design. Like I'm making kicks. I'm making snares. I'm making weird bass mm -hmm. patches i'm making pads maybe one of those will inspire a song and right. a lot of times that'll happen like all of a sudden i made a cool ass pad and a bass oh well that's song that's going to be a song now or nothing happens and i'm sitting there staring at ableton like everything sounds like shit <laughs> and you step away and come back but a lot of times it's to not get stuck in those sound design loops it's like i'll make a sound and then i will force myself to stop and move on to the next one and not go back to it until I have to like really focus on it because otherwise I will spend four and a half hours listening to the same bass loop. Making it a little bit better, a little it, bit better. Yeah. Oh, nope. I want it to knock like this. Uh -huh. And then the minute I add another sound, oh, it doesn't sound right. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and you lose that kind of big picture mentality, which that's what. And then you lose three hours. And then, yeah. And, then and you're you like, wait, three, it sounds exactly hours, the same. Four hours of listening to. 
Dude, sometimes I'll get into just like making, just like playing a synth or playing something over and over, just like building sound design. And then you'll finally pause it and you're like, your body is like, whoa. Like you like stop sprinting through space. You just felt like you're like, whatever frequency that was. Just The only <laughs> only way I can describe that is the, the same feeling you get when you take LSD and you ride a bike <laughs> and you stop <laughs> and the world rubber bands around <sighs> you after you stop. There's Dude. only going to be a few a subset of listeners who understand that reference, but they will know and they will be like, oh my God. <laughs> They're going to make, I'm getting into sound design immediately. <laughs> like, because you were 100% right. If you were two and a half hours of jamming deep and you just mm-hmm. lost in the sauce, yeah, you come back to reality. You're like, what the, the <laughs> fuck just happened? Where what, am where, I? Where, Dude. Did I, where did all the time, what did I just do? And if, if you're smart and you're re-recording it, you go back and listen, you go, oh God, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> like where, what dimension it? was I on? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I had a time where I was, I went to a concert, actually I went to a grandson show. He's the name of the artist. Uh, but we were, I had working with sounds all day and I was just feeling kind of wonky. Like my legs just felt like wobbly, like just cause I was doing all weird frequencies and listening to binaural beats at some point in the morning. Like, and so my legs were literally wobbly at this concert. And I, I had talked to my buddy. I was like, bro, we got to sit down. Like my legs feel like they're going to wob- wobble Jello. off from this weird frequency I was listening to earlier today. Yeah, um, man, that's, that's, that's totally a thing. Like you can totally get lost in the sauce when just sound designing. And that's what happens. Yeah. But that's sometimes where you stumble upon the coolest shit when you're just jamming for two hours and all of a sudden you tweak one knob and mm. a whole song idea pops in your head. Yes. Like I've had, I had, I had a random, like a random patch turn into an entire song and the patch, the whole song is based around the same thing going like, like over and over again, it evolves throughout the thing. So it's never the same, but that was literally just a random like stoned fuck around that ended mm-hmm. up like, Whoa, what the, what the hell is it? Record. Right. And, and then it became a song and it's, that's the, that's what I like about like synthesizers in that regard where you have that kind of randomness and unlike a uh, guitar or piano or where you have to kind of have some intent and some meaning behind right. it. It's very rare that you can just start derping on the piano or guitar without having some sort of prior. Yeah. You can't just play whatever set. keys you want. It's just like, oh, this isn't fun. I want to walk away. Yeah, exactly. But with a synthesizer, you can set it to where it generates kind of its own stuff constantly, randomly, and and some people might say that oh that that that's not ta- that takes no talent blah 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 but oh. it's like but it's 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 a different type of no talent it's like well yeah you it doesn't it's not like a skill set like a guitar player a pianist or or any classical musician but if you want to actually get something cool that's musical that's that's right. that sounds palatable I and palatable is a very broad term <laughs> uh, it does take a bit of of know-how and knowledge and, 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 and fuck around and, and, and technical knowledge to be able to let the machine fuck around on its own. Right. And, and know when to interfere and, and yeah, when, and to, when to, to interfere and how to interfere. Yeah. Cause I feel like it's like, a uh, you're, I don't know. You're, you're, you're kind of like riding around. You're kind of constantly keeping track of, you're kind of constantly keeping the beat like 
keeping time, I guess, like even through something where you're just like, like there's, there's a time to it that you're like looking for and you're like ready to like, as you're making your own beat from the sound of nothing, there is still like a musical time to it. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's exactly what an oscillator is. It's just choose putting out a different, you know, amount of, of oscillation over time the quicker the the quicker the amount of oscillation that's happening the higher the pitch you perceive and so when you're doing stuff with synthesizers that's exactly what you're manipulating is the the frequency of a waveform of an electrical pulse that's then being output to a speaker and that's like pure sound is what the way you could describe it is like the purest type of sound you can get because there's no nothing else happening it's just a single type of wave being drawn in the in the in electrons dude learning about sound is so crazy like i would just i'm constantly reminded of how just mind-blowing it is like we, we just see that like oh will you plug that into the wall and it makes sound duh yeah <laughs> like what it's, it's so like oh it's 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 a whole bunch of really complex waveforms and electronics bouncing yeah. around inside to then reproduce this yes. so that we can actually hear it in a correct way that doesn't sound fucked up to us. Yes. Yeah, it's an insane, like, when you get to the technical, like, the really nitty-gritty technical, mathematical, nerdy shit side of it, it is boring as fuck, but also (laughs) impressive as fuck. And Mm -hmm. there's many, many smart people that we have built upon the shoulders of. Oh, definitely. Dude, yeah, definitely. Tesla, for example, Tesla coils. (laughs) Tesla, but I mean, like, fucking Bell, like... Yes. All those guys who helped invent, you know, telecommunication and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's not incredibly impressive or anything. No, no, not at all. Just thinking about like the amount of knowledge that I have in my head cavity, just like, like if this all went to shit and then it's like, I'm one of the last ones and they're like, well, Jake, you know the most about sound out of all the people that are left. Could you remake a speaker? I'd be like, what? Yeah, yeah. I can make fart sounds in my mouth. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Andy, you do, um, so we had met up, we first met through mentorship. So like you teaching me, I'm technically your student or I was, Was. um, yeah. So how did you, we just briefly touch on that if you want. Um, how did you get into, to teaching? I, I feel like, um, the teaching audio stuff was because the awful company that we will not name that we were both part of for a while uh they were looking for people who could teach ableton and other stuff because they had they Mm -hmm. just started a program for ableton live and they were originally doing i think pro tools maybe logic but just pro tools and one of the other engineers who works here uh was teaching pro tools and they were like we need people who teach ableton so that's how i started doing that with them and actually like mentoring people as a job and it started off pretty well. Um, it was a different company back then. Uh, lots of ownership change in that lots place. Of, yeah, lots of different admin change. And, yeah. And I think stuff. The, I, th- I think the concept, though, I, th- I think I, I wanted to bring it up because I think the the concept is so cool, man. Like the it's concept, such a the concept was really good. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to go. Over, I can't like describe the concept without yeah. blatantly like giving it away at what we're talking about. Yeah. Just a different way of teaching and learning. Yeah. And just more hands-on. It had, it had a much more hands-on approach than normal. And that was really cool. Mm-hmm. But 
it had a lot of flaws in, their, yeah, no in the doubt. way that it was executed yeah. on their end. Right. Yeah. But so I, I think on the positive side of it for me, like, again, I went, I went through my own ringer with these people. Like I had a, whatever, uh, yeah. but being able to, being able to like come and, um, learn face to face. And like, if I'm working on something, I can like take my headphone off and ask you a question. Yeah. You and know. it's, it wasn't set up in the sense that it was like the typical classroom and, yeah. that, and that kind of thing, which that was, that was nice. And that's the best way to learn in my opinion, where you're not like forced to, right. You're, this is, it's from this time to this time. Test is on this time. We'll see you then. Peace. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't work for some people, man. Like, no. It just, I can't sit there and pay attention for that long. Not at all. Yeah. I just, I was just kind of, I was talking about it because I'm just kind of curious with all this, you know, coming back to the present time with all the COVID sort of stuff. Like, I feel like, you know, all these kids are out of school right now and they're, we're discovering different ways as a earth right now, as a, as a nation for sure. But the whole world is kind of learning new ways to learn, you know, learning more like at home. Like yeah, let's, the classroom's going to be changing. Oh yeah, I have a feeling that online classes and, and more remote work and that kind of stuff will mm -hmm. probably become way more normal. Right. I have a feeling people are going to realize there's a lot of things we could have been doing where we didn't have to show up for shit. <laughs> the meetings, yeah, meetings, doc, certain doctors' appointments, like right. Uh, what else? Um, probably like some government appointment type stuff as well like stuff that can easily be done remotely where you don't have to sit in a waiting room and right. have to do it face to face and, and notice how much, you know, faster and efficient it is when right. you don't have that layer of crap to deal with. Like I kind of wish like, you know, the DMV and like that kind of shit would, would do that. Like, right. The DMV of all places. Like, yeah. Like, come on. We, we like, understandable if you have to get your photo taken for an ID and stuff, but like renewal forms and like that kind of shit, like, come on. It seems like we should, that could be very easily automated. Yeah. With the incredible technology that we were just talking about, like we should be able to figure out how to have someone stand in front of a line and take a photo for to get renewed their license. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or like, <laughs> yeah, like you do it all online and then all you have to do is just take a photo. That's it. Like, <laughs> yeah. That would be glorious. But yeah, the, uh, I think I think one of the biggest thing that's going to probably change is how like what the priority for actually doing face-to-face -face stuff is going to be like is it necessary now that we have, you know, so much telecommuting and other stuff like that. Right. Like, and how many people's jobs are you know going to just be like, oh, there 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 wasn't a productivity mm -hmm. dip when they were working from home. Right. Like how there are so many corporations and other companies that were like, no, you can't work from home. You'll be a fucking horrible employee. <laughs> oh, well, government says you're working from home. Yeah. And sure enough, they're going to do the same amount of work. Same and get it done and might, Yeah. And might even do it better because, right. you know, there's not somebody over their shoulder. Yeah. But then other people might, you know, like me included who, when you're at home, it's like, oh, I don't really feel like doing work. Not my, not my workspace. Brain is not ready to work. <laughs> I know you got to really, that's a, a new thing. People are probably going to have to start learning how to like, how to work from home. I actually had a homie who uh, texted me a couple hours ago. He's like, bro, you got to do like a video or something um, about like mental health working from home. 
Cause like that's, I'm all about mental health and stuff and working from home for a while. Like it's what's normal to you and I, like being able to set up our zone and make sure this is right before I go. Like we've built that up over time. And there's all these people who are like all clunky at home, not knowing what to do and not yeah, how to like, they're like, well, they're I trying just, to watch TV over here. I and they now have to have a desk and what, I don't actually have a workplace at home. Yeah. Like I don't have a workplace at home. There is no like desk or there is no designated area. Yeah. Unlike where we have that option at our house. Cause we've set it up that way. Yes. But yeah, like, fuck, you're right. You're 100% right. There's so many folks who are just thrown into the, into the fire, just like, well, you get yeah. to, you get to now figure this shit out. Yeah. Who not only don't want to, but they're going to have to like learn how to do that anyway. So when you, like you have learned a lot from different facets in your life, um, for sure. But I feel like I always like putting a pin in this. I'd be willing to bet that you've probably learned a good amount from YouTube and like Reddit forums and the internet. Oh. Am I, am I false or true in that? No, you're 100% true. I mean, with this job and with like a lot of others, you're learning, right. you're learning shit it all the time. It's just with YouTube and, and whatnot, especially with YouTube, there's a lot of bullshit to sift through for sure and that's that and there didn't use there used to be bullshit but it didn't seem to be as much so to say like yeah. there i don't want to say there were more reputable outlets but there were more out there were more out, outlets that were better at giving you more accurate information that could be used in a broad spectrum rather mm -hmm. than a very niche, like make the best trap snare ever <laughs> right? kind of shit or like really clickbaity stuff. Right. Or like my biggest fucking pet peeve. I hate, hate YouTube tutorials that literally only play five to 10 seconds of whatever you're making for the entire, like 10, 15 minute video. You <sighs> only ever hear the end result, like a tiny bit. You never hear and, and during the whole making of, it's like they're explaining everything, but they're never playing bits of like how it's going and they're right. talking too much. Yeah, our heads need to know what the end is. Like, yeah, and so I've, I, I've, I've found a couple guys who will do show what it is at the end, but they still talk too much. Right. And like, they're, but that's the one thing is, is it seems that people need to see the thing happening without all the fucking commentary mm -hmm. because then you're, it will click and it's like, oh, this changes this. And that's what I try to tell all of my, my former students and whatnot and people who are wondering. It's like, actually spend the time to like sit down with the software or sit down with mm -hmm. the hardware, twiddle knobs, fuck around with it. Right. Actually learn what's happening with it. Like when you turn this knob, what does it do? Yes. When you happen to turn this knob and this knob at the same time, what what's the end result? Mm -hmm. Rather than hopping into those YouTube tutorials where they're like, okay, and then you go here, you use this and fucking throw this saturator on and do the blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah. okay. And then it's like, all right, well. Because you can follow along. You can follow along. But it, it's also like, if you don't know how to actually use step mm -hmm. one and what the guy's doing and why he's doing it, like you can, or what happens when you turn that knob kind of like, Oh, when I go farther, it makes it more right. high pitched, squeaky, squelchy sound. Um, squeechy. That's a good word. Um, and squelchy and squeechy and squelchy. Uh, or like you turn this up and the, the, the tail end of the sound gets longer, like oh, that yeah. kind of thing. And, and you, if you start building up how you interpret the thing is happening, 
then when you see something going on and you hear someone talking, they might explain it in a weird way that you're like, that's not how my brain interprets it. Precisely. I think it it makes it sound like this in my head. Well, when you're watching a tutorial or something and there's no one talking, they're just showing you like with software and stuff, you just screen cap and you can see all the mouse clicks and everything. You don't need an explanation why you can show them like, oh, I'm turning this. Here's how it sounds. Here's how it sounds. Mm. It's like, that's what seems to be missing a lot from a lot totally. of the tutorials is like the end results is how it sounds, not like why you did it or what you're doing it for. It's like, no, 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 you, you can do that. Yeah, you can tell, explain the concept. But if someone knows what the resonance of a filter is, mm -hmm. you don't need to explain that the whole fucking time. Yeah, they can while get there making, themselves. Yeah, you can, you can get there themselves. Or you can be like, hey, if you don't know what these parts are, here's a tutorial that actually explains what everything is. So now when right. you watch this, you're not going in completely blind, but I'm not going to be explaining the goddamn reason each and every fucking time. Right. And so like, and I'll find that a lot where it's like it's some of these, I don't have any examples and I don't want to give any examples because I don't want to badmouth people and right off the bat, there are a couple I can think of, but they will just talk and talk and talk and that's it. It's like, what, what, yeah. what is this tutorial yeah. for? Is it just, it's, I'm here know, to get I'm answers here, to my I'm question. Here, here to try to learn how you make this flume type synth or whatever yeah, the fuck yeah. you titled it. But in the end, it's like, oh, I got five minutes of hearing this like wobble bass and then, uh, or five seconds of hearing this wobble bass and that's it. Like, I heard how, what what you did to get to your end result, but none of the why or like, right. how does it sound in between these stages? Because a lot of the times it's just they're hopping. Okay, and then you add this guy and then you add this guy and then you add this guy. And it's just like, okay, that's cool. Like, good job right. with the sound design. But I kind of want to hear if maybe it sounded different in stage five and it sounded like better or what I was kind of going for. Yeah, and like, when you add this thing, yeah, why add, does it sound like why that? Why does it sound like that? Like that yeah. kind of thing. And there, and like I said, there are guys who do do that and their tutorials are pretty good. But again, these, those guys also try to, or tend to explain everything over again in each video. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's it's kind of like, with YouTube, There's there are great resources, like produce like a pro, uh, uh, Spectre Sound Studios, like those guys are really awesome um, and uh, production expert. Those guys are great. But then you have a bunch of these ED, like I, the only way I can describe them is the, the producers of the EDM era. <laughs> who, the, the well, sorry. Yeah. Well, they just started in like the, the mid to, to late 2000s. Mm -hmm. And it's like the FL, maybe early Ableton adopters, but a lot of them are the FL producers right. and stuff. And you'll, and it's I see a lot of a lot people of, just trying to mimic sounds. And that's, that's the other thing I which, was going to get to, which is like, everyone hears like fucking, what's his name? Uh, uh, bah, 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 really famous producer that I am blanking on his name. Metro Boomin. Metro Boomin. Thank you. Is that who you were thinking of? That is literally who I was thinking of <laughs> oh, yeah. because he's the one who's like, I want that Metro Boomin kick. Right. I want that Metro Boomin 808. Right. And, and, or like, uh, I don't know if you go on like, uh, the Reddit that has a lot of kits for drums on it. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, but, uh, they, uh, there's so many, so many options that are all like, this is the kit from X and X song. This is the kit from X and X song. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, cool. I just want like a good, unique drum set that's like yeah. not you know a direct rip from this 
Dude, I, I, this song. I think that people will find more and more when they like do follow because those things when you see them, like, okay, so if I'm scrolling through and I see like Kanye West drum kit, like I like Kanye West. And so I have a pinch of like, oh, that's cool. But then you also got to be like, but what can I really do with that? Like exactly. if you can't really get to where you're going to like improve it or be able to use it or like, cause you're not really trying to recreate what, what he's doing. Like you want to sit down and create something of your own exactly. with influence. And, and like, if you also, if you take one of those drum sets and you use it, like, it's just kind of like, okay, well you just stole a different producer's like drum sound, like mm-hmm. right out. And, and I've heard, I've heard some that like, they just rip the entire kit. Like, that they just use the entire kit and you're like, that's, that's the same sample from an ASAP Rocky song or like, like that kind of stuff. And, right. and you're just like, wait, Oh, they downloaded the, the unofficial drum kit. And they're just literally using that as, <laughs> right. in, in their, in this, as their main drum, which kit. I mean, it's cool. I guess it's like, it's cool to do that. And then you get something going and you like get you and your homies to like have fun. And it sounds familiar and stuff, but I don't know. It's just kind of like if your end goal is trying to like, get your sell own sound out or sell like, it or yeah, yeah like especially if you sell it like yeah at that point it's like that's that's kind of a dick move. yeah dude i think the uh the youtube thing is huge for me because that's something that like i feel like the last i don't know year and a half or so i because i've always been a youtube guy and i'm always like watching tons of you when i first started producing i would pretty much just like have it open on this window and then follow along exactly on the right side and it was just like yeah, I mean, that's how I learned at first, but it held me back. What I should have been doing is just like kind of learning how or what this little corner of the thingies do and then just playing with them and listening to it. Exactly. And seeing what that sounds like. Exactly. And then if it sounds cool, do something else that sounds that same sort of, you know, dig into it. Exactly. Explore the program. I think that's, we get really caught up in watching tutorials and kind I of like failure to start. I want the result. I need that instant right. gratification. Or even opposite, just like thinking that you need to be a professional before you make anything. Like, oh, yeah. Like that's, you oh, got to be the perfect oh, sound designer oh, before you can even start dicking around. Oh, man. I do that, that is, to myself that too is, much. That is the bane of so many people's right. musical attempts is just, I have to be on the level of The weekend. I have to be on the level right. of fucking Celine Dion. I have to be on the level of fucking whoever the fucking... Just make some shit, bro. Fucking, yeah, just make some shit. Make some shit, make, even if it's make, shit. Yeah, even it, just put it out. Yeah. Put it out, because you won't get anywhere if you don't. Right. Like, that's that's... The whole point of making this and doing this is like you you make it, you put it out, you let people hear it. Right. Some will like it, some won't. You might not like it. <laughs> yeah, but you did something. Probably you created would, it. Yeah, and it you probably felt cool it. when you were learning it. And you can develop your whole life into it, dude. Just, exactly. Just lean, lean into what you enjoy and just do it. And then if people like it, they do. And if they don't, that's fine. If you like it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, That's probably a good note to end on then. Yeah. I want to, so on the last thing to end on, I'm going to ask you this one question and we'll end on your answer. All right. If aliens, they roll on down, they break through the atmosphere and they're like, all right, we only speak in sound. So give us your best musician. And they happen to go right outside here and they're asking you this question. So you have to be like, fuck. I have to choose the musician or person to communicate with these aliens on behalf of planet Earth. Who would you choose? On behalf of planet Earth? Behalf of planet Earth. And somehow these are weird aliens that like only communicate with sound waves and cool shit. So keep that in mind. Do they have to be alive? No. Okay. That changes things. Yeah. You can resurrect them in this scenario.
that's a good that's a good question that's um, a tough one yeah it's there's there's would you think like more like like edm guys or would you think like producers like Jimi hendrix sort of guys like who are just like legends or technical in terms of in terms of sound or music like sound like sound like sounds so or musician because i'm i'm thinking like because it can go a couple ways like you can have people go either way i'm leaving it totally okay totally open oh man see if it was just sounds no words no lyrics no lyrical content nothing like that i would probably have to say vangelis okay i'm drawing a blank uh the composer for blade runner oh okay 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 um only because his sound design is fucking amazing um no offense Hans Zimmer Vangelis has got your beat uh if there were words that needed to be said probably Elton John ooh I feel that probably if there were words probably Elton John Mm. if there were it's it's either Elton John or Freddie Mercury, like because Elton right. John's alive, so he'd still be able to do shit. But for but for words, but yeah, for no words, Vangelis, hands down. Cool. Yeah, I think I think all three of those are like if you had to resurrect one too, Freddie yeah. Mercury, that's good too. Yeah, solid. I, yep, that's I, that's a good place to end it on. It's a good place to end it. All right, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, coming to BS and thanks for uh, yes. fighting through the COVID. Oh and yeah, having we, this combo. We, we braved we braved the plague. Yes. Brave to the plague. All right, listener, take care of yourself. Wash your hands like 10 times and listen to some good music. Check out Team Banzai on Spotify. That's B-A-N-Z-A-I. Banzai. Banzai.